Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey listeners, Sean and Chuck here. Before we get started with season one finale and take our summer break, we want to acknowledge and say thank you to thousands of website visitors, listeners, and followers who share our love of wine and good deals. Don't worry, we aren't going far. Over the break, we will be putting out bonus episodes that are completely different from our regular shows. Be sure to join us back here in September when season two kicks off. Keep your eyes and ears open for our bonus episodes. We both sincerely thank you all for your support. Welcome to the season one finale of the No Snob Wine podcast. This is our 14th episode of our first season, and we're going to answer your questions about being a sommelier and share some tips for enjoying wine over the summer. I was going to ask you a question that was a little off base, but do you remember how we found out that we were each into wine? Trip down memory lane. Do I remember? Oh, my goodness. It would have been at, you know, where we worked at the time, of course. Yep. Um, was it at lunch? It was after work. Okay. I I feel like you're going to tell me and it's going to come flooding back, but I do not remember. I don't remember. Exactly. Oh, how dare you? Wow. Bad friend. It was after work. We were walking back to the subway station and you asked me, what are you making for dinner? And I said, you know what I was making. And I said, but... I'm going to open up this Merlot. And I said, did you know that Merlot used to be mostly just a grape grown for blending wines, not really drinking on its own? And you said, yeah, I happen to know that as well. <laughs> and uh, there bloomed our wine friendship. <laughs> That's a great, that sounds like, that definitely sounds like a conversation we would have had back then. That's great. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Morlogue, people. That started a lot of wine conversations a lot. and a website. Yeah. And now this podcast. That's right. That's right. And uh, getting invited as a VIP to a few wine events, too. We did attend a few gourmet food and wine shows <laughs> as media. As media. We got the passes, everything, VIP. <laughs> Little did they know. Yeah. We fooled them. So, Chuck, my, my, I'm going to start by asking you a seasonal question, and, and I don't know if it applies, but I'm going back to episode two, 
which was one of my favorite episodes, which was DIY wine, is it worth it? And does the season matter? Does it matter if you're home brewing wine in the winter or summer? Do you need to adjust anything? Like you've done this before. What are your thoughts? So I have done this before. I've never made an amazing batch of wine at home. And I think it's because I've never used actual grapes, freshly pressed, like locally sourced grapes. Okay. Or even not locally sourced, but just fresh grapes. I've always gotten pre-pressed juice or used the wine kits where it comes with a bag of juice concentrate. Yep. And then you dilute it a bit mm -hmm. and you add your yeast and such. Those are not going to make you great wine, like worthy of serving at dinner or giving away, in my opinion. <laughs> if you do it with fresh grapes, I think you stand a chance. So to answer your question, the season does matter. You want to make your wine during the harvest period using fresh grapes instead of making it with concentrate or a frozen pail of juice. Interesting. So I was thinking like if it's summer or winter, the humidity or temperature in your house, that's is that irrelevant really? Uh, the temperature is not irrelevant depending on the type of yeast that you use. Some yeast will work at a better, uh, larger temperature range. Some will require a more specific temperature range. But if you're if you're seriously brewing, you do want a, a temperature controlled chamber, a fermentation chamber, people call it. But usually, since uh, you harvest grapes in the fall around here, your basement's kind of cool enough to make the wine in your basement temperature. So around harvest season, so you get fresh juice. And when it's a little cooler, it's a little better to control the fermentation process. It's a little easier since fermentation is exothermic. You're brewing at room temperature plus, say, a, a five-gallon carboy plus about eight Fahrenheit just based off the, the heat coming off the yeast fermenting. Okay. So you want a, a slightly cooler cellar to ferment in, if possible. So make DIY your wine in the fall and enjoy it in the summer. Or later, you know, the more aging, <laughs> it probably doesn't hurt. It's DIY wine, <laughs> but sure. Yeah, you're not aging it that long anyways. <laughs> nice. Good for you if you make something worthy at home. Good for Good you. Good for you. Send us a bottle where you're uh, very interested. So this episode is called Ask a Sommelier. Sean, you're a sommelier. I am not a sommelier. What? are the levels of sommelier and the certificates that are available. I think some are a lot easier than others. Which did you get and why did you choose it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. And I'm for our finale, I'm going to bestow upon you an honorary sommelier certification, Jack. Oh, it's like knighthood almost. Yeah, I, I'll break a bottle, tap you on the shoulder with it. The Amazing. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you, you would have the skills to definitely get the sommelier uh, level one. There's a different, there's a couple of different ways to go about this. There's um, a lot of it has to do with what country or state or province that you're in, uh, but definitely countries. There's a couple of internationally recognized certifications. That's the one I happen to have. So I studied at something called the ISG, which most people call it, but it stands for the International Sommelier Guild. And you can do each, um, each level requires significant amount of in-class time, practical in-class time and tasting time. And then if you really want to go for the gold, if it, as it were, uh, there is a master's and that takes a lot of study. And I think there might be an apprenticeship component to it. And I, and, um, working at a winery, it's, it's difficult to get, 
and I have a lot of respect for the people who have it. Uh, there's not a lot of them around to be a, a master sommelier. There are less formal programs. Uh, one that comes to mind is called WSET, W-S-E-T. Uh, you can do it in about a weekend and you can learn a lot about wine and service and gives you a really great foundation. And that will actually qualify you to work in some restaurants and some wine retail locations as well. So um, my particular certification took uh, several months. Uh, there was uh, books and quizzes and tastings and uh, work. And uh, it's, it was not all just drinking wine, unfortunately. So as an ISG sommelier, can you identify wine varietal and year just by looking at it from across the room in a glass. <laughs> no, not not oh, even okay. close. Um, what's interesting was so when I wrote my final exam, because there is an exam, uh, there was a bonus question, and the bonus question was a blind tasting, and you had to guess or I got guess identify or for being professional uh, the varietal, the country, and the region. Uh, I was able to guess the varietal and the country. I, I, I couldn't get the region. And maybe because it was level one, I would consider it easy, air quotes. I'm making air quotes. Uh, it was uh, Sauvignon Blanc, and it was from New Zealand. And so you get a very specific profile there, but uh, couldn't get the region. So how do you learn exactly how to pick out tastes and smells in wine? How do you learn? You practice, practice, practice. There is, uh, there is sort of a almost a standard set of wine words and flavors, sort of like a primary and secondary ones. So you practice your primary ones, and then you just have to taste wines that have secondary ones. So like a secondary one, sometimes a secondary one. You're, I know you're really good at picking out is like tobacco um, or sometimes gasoline, like a, an oiliness to it. Like uh, a petrol. Yeah. yeah, like a petrol. Yeah. And I know you, you're really good at getting that one. Secondary one is also like minerality, which you're very good at. Uh, and that's considered one of the hardest ones to identify for a sommelier. Oh, okay. Uh, but the primaries that you learn, you know, it's, it's all the fruit. It's the berries and the fruit mm -hmm. and the oak and the smoke. And, you know, those are sort of the basics. And then you get into the tobaccos and the leathers and the forests and the <laughs> greenery and the minerals. Yeah. So something I use that helped me train was unofficially train was something called the flavor wheel yeah. or aroma wheel mm -hmm. that you can look up online listeners and, and print it out for yourself. And the flavors go from general categories and then it's broken down to a second layer and then a third layer. So yeah. can you give an example of of one of those categories that's yeah. getting broken down further, like red berries, for instance? Yeah. You know, the, the, the third level we don't use very much, so nothing comes to mind. But yeah, you'll generally, you'll say like at the first level, like it smells like berries or jam, right? And then you can sort of pick that out. And then you can, in the second level, you're starting to pick out things like, oh, it's strawberry jam or whatever. You're getting, you're just getting more specific. And then in the third level, uh, I think, you know, the minerals show up and the grass and stuff like that. So it just goes like that. Um, if you're ever, and you, if you're looking for that online, also, if you like scotch, uh, find the scotch tasting flavor wheel. It's really, really interesting. It's not as 
thorough as the wine because scotch doesn't have as many flavor profiles but it's really interesting it kind of has like apples and hay and honey and it's 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 quite interesting i did a, a guided scotch tasting class with some people and they really found it useful yeah, I think it's really useful for training on tasting anything, probably beer, scotch, wine. Yeah, for sure. Here's one for you. Uh, one of the things I think we consume a lot more wine in the summer, at least I do, uh, except for around the holiday period in December, January. Uh, if people were going to use the summer as an opportunity to explore some Italian wines, can you tell us two that you would recommend trying, maybe varietals to get acquainted with Italian wine? And it's good for summer so there's a it's a double it's a double question for italian summer wines i could recommend prosecco which is a sparkling white and another white that's a little harder to find but it's not sparkling it's called verdicchio and that's very nice on the drier side of white those are great suggestions i think because we we have so much sparkling wine around the holidays I don't think, no, that, and we tell people drink it up, like drink it all the time. It's good all the time, but what right. a smart summer drink. And you could throw some frozen berries in or a slice of frozen peach in, in to keep it cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's a great idea. And Verdecchio is a lovely white wine from, from Italy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's a great suggestion. So going wine shopping with a sommelier is sort of like going fashion <laughs> shopping with Giorgio Armani himself, right? <laughs> oh, that's a what high bar. Okay. That's right. <laughs> what stuff is worth spending extra on? And what should I try but probably haven't? What's worth spending extra money on? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. I mean, because of nosnotwine.com, we don't spend over 20 bucks very often. Are you asking if if you want to you know, blow the bank and go past 20 bucks? Feeling a little generous, feeling a little richer today. Maybe I have three or four 20s in my wallet Ooh. that's burning a hole. In the 60 to $80 range. Okay. Um, so my bias is going to show here, but it's because of the price range. Because, you know, everybody knows I like California. I mean, when you get into the 60 to $80 range, you, you're, California really opens up to some amazing wines. Uh, yeah, so around 30 bucks, you can get lots of good wine. In the 60s and to 80s, um, Napa Valley, you're going to get some, some, just some stellar wines. Um, they're going to be so big. They're going to be bigger than, if you've never done it before, they're going to be bigger than probably anything you've ever had. Almost overwhelming. And then in the closer to the $60 point, I like the Amarones from Italy. Love those. Can't get enough of those. Now, there's some really good ones around 45 bucks, but uh, you've had a couple of Amarones in the 50 to $60 range. Would you say one it's that worth you it? can, Yeah, one that you can find pretty easily is one called Massey or by Massey. It's um, $55 here in Ontario and very rich, full as full body of a red as you can find. It's made with dried grape skins, so it has a really deep flavor, rich. It's lovely. And you know, one of the things I like about that, so, so guys, listeners, guys, gals, a lot of wine is priced because of the marketing, if you will, like, you know, what they can charge for it. No, it's, it's special and there's not a lot made. And we can do a whole episode about how they price wine. But when you talk about Amarone, like what Chuck said, is they dry the grapes a bit out in the sun to concentrate 
the flavor so that you lose juice. So what you're a lot of what you're paying for in Amarone is the is the smaller yield for a higher quality wine. So you're not just paying for a label. You're getting a, a product that's harder to make. Much harder to make and, you know, takes longer to make, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's uh can I change my answer to uh, buy an Amarone because you're going to get your money's worth? Yeah, that's a good call. But California cabs really do open up if you spend more than, you know, 20 bucks. Unfortunately, on yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's correct. There's lots of them to choose from, too. <laughs> so question for you, uh, since episode three, when we talked about giving wine as a gift, uh, my guests have been killing it. I mean, they've been bringing under 20s, just weird and wonderful stuff. I love it. Uh, what, so much fun. But this summer, if you are going to a barbecue, Chuck, what would you re- reach for as a as a gift to to take to that barbecue? We're keeping it under the twenty, right? Yeah, I think so. So we both tried that the Massey organic red and white blends. Oh yeah, those were really great, Oof. especially for the summer. Killer. The white, I like that because that white will stand up to barbecue, like to big flavors you could have that at a barbecue sure yeah. as a 100 and that red will go with a lot of different stuff yeah it's not too heavy it's it's right in the middle light enough for a summer day but you can also have it with barbecue i think how about now this is hard to find but what about lambrusco you want to get fancy maybe go a hair over 20 bucks i have a lambrusco that i still have to taste actually that's under 20 bucks Lambrusco is an Italian wine that has a little bit of carbonation to it. Very summery. Yeah, we uh, we got to try that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. All right. Read- what about you? What do you think? Well, for the white, I couldn't dis I couldn't disagree with you. That was my summer sipper. The uh, the Massi, uh, the Fresco de Massi Bianco. Uh, love it. I've had several <clears throat> bottles of it since <laughs> reviewing it, and uh, it hasn't. Uh, it has not let me down on a red. So, if you go to the website, I think you know I reviewed the Carnivore wine. Um, it's a great wine. It stands up uh, really well. It's going to please everybody. So, you know, if you're going to barbecue, there's going to be lots of different flavors, maybe some, you know, vinegary dishes potentially, you know, it's like a bottle of carnivore would be good or, um, or the white, uh, the white Massey. You also put on your top list that white Portugal blend. That's a really good one to bring. It is. Crowd pleaser. Yeah. Lighter, much lighter. So if you're, if you know, you're kind of into a sort of a summery or derby, you know, snack session, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. But if you're pulling ribs off the barbecue, oh, that one's going to have a, a tough time, but um, okay. great for salads and snacks and orders and appies. Yeah. When you're blind tasting a wine, what's the hardest part to identify? The varietal, the country, the vintage, if it's red or white, do you have a process for something like that? Oh man. So there's there's these tasting glasses that are black glass. I've never tried out of these black glasses, but I have read articles and heard stories of sommeliers getting messed up and like identifying whites as reds and reds as whites. 
I've heard of that too. It sounds unbelievable. Yeah, I uh, I haven't tried it. I'm almost I'm almost nervous to put myself into that situation. We should definitely do it live on the air. Oh, good. yeah. What could go wrong? That yeah, sounds great. All right, bonus episode. <laughs> Is it a bonus? Maybe it's a regular episode. Maybe it's the maybe the the season the first episode of season two. Maybe we could uh, kick off with that, destroy my credibility, and lose our all our listeners for the rest of the season. Well, maybe I'll add some of my homemade wine into that <laughs> tasting session, and we'll really see <laughs> see what I'm who, made of. See, yeah, you see if I'm giving back my certification. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to tear that certificate <laughs> up, sir. Sir, if you could just <laughs> hand me that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, if you can see the color, obviously you're you just almost cut it in half uh, of what you're thinking it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the easiest way for Rydal is if you've okay. So you probably at home you really like cabs, or you really like Merlots, or you re- you know like there's something you probably really like, and there's something about it that you really like. And so cabs have sort of a distinctive flavor. So it's going to be currant or uh black cherry or maybe more of a uh, a raspberry right and then you get into merlots you're gonna get sort of softer fruits and stuff it's tough like you, you, they kind of have a signature flavor and then you know when we score wines on nosnobwine.com like the first three points are almost if, is whether or not the wine is correct so if if it's kind of weird like if something you know if i taste it and it's kind of go no, this doesn't make sense. You can get uh, into really a uh, tricky situation. The country is, again, it's a tell. So the wine will have a tell. So like when I said earlier that in my sommelier exam, I knew the Sauvignon Blanc was from New Zealand. So they have a tell, which is what they call civet. And this is a nice way of saying cat pee. And it was really, really pronounced. I knew it was New Zealand. Um, so different countries will have sort of a tell if you've if you've tried enough from from all the countries. That's true, actually. Yeah, you can drink a red sometimes and say that's really Spanish, yeah. or Italian, or French. Yeah, it's, I like that you pick Spanish because they're to me Spain and Argentina. I don't know if because they're so hot, you can pick like for me a mile away. Right. Yeah. Italian, probably, because they tend to be a little more austere and old school. A little rustic sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But hmm, how about, could you pick out an Ontario Cabernet Sauvignon versus a French Cabernet Sauvignon? Probably. And the tell I would look for is the type of oak they're using. See? Honorary sommelier. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Yeah, for sure. French oak that's not been used a ton so that you're going to get a a cleaner oak flavor. And then here you're going to get a bit of a smokier, muddier oak flavor. It's subtle, but you are 100% correct. It is there, yeah. Yeah. Chuck, summer, wine, sangria, yay or nay? Nay. I don't like it. That was quick. Yeah. Just nope. I just don't like it. <laughs> if you were forced, okay, you went to a party, there was nothing else to drink. There was white yeah. sangria and there was a red. I'd sa- take the white. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He has preferences. Yes. Sir. <laughs> the red, I just don't want extra stuff added to it. Yeah. The white, I can see it as more of a, a cocktail refreshing drink. Yeah. 
So what about you? Can we talk? Let's just talk about Sangria for a moment. And sure. my biggest issue with Sangria is people seem for some reason to start with sweet wine. Okay. Why do you start with sweet wine? When you're dumping in, I mean, it depends on your recipe, but, you know, ginger ale or Sprite or 7-Up and some people, you know, I've seen some with apple juice and some with orange juice, which is bizarre. But anyways, you're putting fruit juice in or, or pop of some kind. And then when you put that sweet wine in, it's too sweet. Doesn't make sense, right? Way too sweet. Okay. And then, okay, like, sorry, not off my uh, soapbox just yet. And then I think people use an opportunity to buy the cheapest wine they can find, right? Because I'm just going to mess it up with all these other things. Stop that. Let's stop that. Because <laughs> you, you can taste it. <laughs> okay, you're not putting $20 bottles of wine in Sangria. 100%, guys, go to the website, filter on about the $10 range, something four stars, make your Sangria out of that. That's good advice. If you're going to drink sangria, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you can look down your nose at us, us sangria drinkers. That's fine. I'll look it right down back at them. <laughs> Disgusting. So, Sean, what are some lesser known types of wines, or we call them varietals, that people should try out? Okay. Is this, this is our last question, right? Last question okay. for the song. It's a good one because it, it goes, I'm going to, I'm going to put a summer spin on it too. So... First of all, on the red, I know this is not like a rare wine and we've talked about it a bit, but I can't say it enough to our listeners. Try Malbec, try all sorts of Malbec from wherever you can get it. It's not as complicated as Cabernet Sauvignon, but it's just as good. It goes with way more food, in my opinion, than just like a Cab or Zinfandel. It comes in different weights. So there, there's some sort of medium to sort of heavy. Uh, love Malbec. Love it, love it, love it. And you can find it. It's not like, you know, if I said uh, Petit Verdot or something, like, good luck. It's really hard to find. Malbec's everywhere. It's just not something people reach for. When it comes to white, I've said it before and I'll say it again, and I'm going to talk about it in the wine I'm reviewing today, is Chenin Blanc. Highly underrated, delicious, Chardonnay competitor in my mind. Rarely, if never, almost never oaked. It can be tropical. It's bright. It's full-bodied. It's delicious. Uh, it's typically cheap. Like I can get it. You can get it from South Africa for a good Chenin Blanc for ooh, 9, 10, 11 bucks. Really good. That's uh, good value. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why it doesn't have a great reputation or it's not grown, grown a lot, but the review we'll be doing in a minute uh, had Chenin Blanc in it. It was like eight bucks. It's, it's a great wine. Fine Chenin Blanc. Good suggestions. Yeah. So that's that for season one. I hope everybody enjoys their summer. I hope you have a good summer. You too. I think we'll see each other and record some fun episodes and put them up. Yeah, I think we. Uh, there's something I remember about sabering open bottles of sparkling wine. That could happen. So we'll, we'll see. It could happen. It's not a good idea. Well, it could happen. I'll bring you goggles. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have a good summer. So, Sean, you've picked a Chenin Blanc today for your review. Can you tell us a little about it? Sure. So yeah, I tried uh, the Fusion Chenin Blanc Chardonnay blend. It's from Argentina, and I was really happy with it. Uh, 
It's under 10 bucks, which is great. Chenine is one of my favorite grapes. It's not very popular. Uh, it can be a little hard to find. Uh, it's in, uh, of course, the link is in the show notes. Uh, it's spelled C-H-E-N-I-N Blanc, B-L-A-N-C. And uh, this particular one was blended with Chardonnay. It was it was light and bright, like very thirst quenching. Um, I almost gave it five stars. It just it missed a, a touch of depth. Guys, you're not going to miss it for under ten dollars. I was being very picky, picky <laughs> when I was giving it the stars, but uh, it was amazing. Fusion Chenin Blanc Chardonnay from Argentina, eight dollars and eighty cents, four out of five stars. So, Chuck, I understand for your wine this episode, you have something a little more mainstream, but it turned out pretty good. Yeah, so I got a Wolf Blast wine. This winemaker was really popular, especially a handful of years ago, where everyone was bringing this wine to everything, and it's okay. You you can find a more interesting Cabernet Sauvignon for 17 bucks. But you do get the notes of dark plum, blackberry, and oak, which you'd expect from a Cabernet Sauvignon. It's popular. It's available if you don't know what to get and you want and you like Cabernet Sauvignon. This one for 17 bucks, it's okay. I wouldn't avoid it, but I think you can find something a little more interesting. Search our website for Cabernet Sauvignons, four stars and up maybe, even three stars and up. You'll find a bunch to try. If you're a regular buyer of Wolf Flask, reach out a little bit. So that was Wolf Blast Yellow Label Cabernet Sauvignon 2020, 1695, three out of five stars. So uh, it's a moderate, you know, moderate, really nice steakhouse we ended up at. So they had a Camus, but it wasn't um, the Camus that you would know. It's something that they make it a different, I guess, vineyard called Susun. And I was excited because I was like, hey, I've never had anything other than the flagship Camus. And uh, I, as we've discussed, I never reveal I'm a sommelier. And uh, the sommelier, I asked the waiter a couple of questions. I was like, because it's supposed to be, uh, oh, and I was thinking of you because it's uh, Petit Syrah. And that's why I was excited. (laughs) And uh, I asked the waitress, I was like, uh, is that 100% Petit Syrah or is is there something else in it? And she didn't know. So she's like, oh, I'll get the sommelier. I got Christ. An attitude on this asshole. Like, just unbelievable what a snob like what what do you do just like every question was an imposition and um you know it was one of is it was retailing for about 90 bucks it was one of their less expensive bottles of wine and you know he could tell i was could tell he was clearly unimpressed that i was interested in this particular bottle and you know i said where we're from i can't get this i've never had seen this so soon and you know it's petite syrah and i there's not a ton of it and he, he nearly rolled his eyes just like uh and then I like walked away. I was like, and the guy I was with, he almost, he, he didn't say anything. He's like, you know, you're the professional <laughs> to me. <laughs> and I was like, no, don't. <laughs> I'm not having a dick, con- dick out contest with this jackass. <laughs> he must, uh, that's not good. No, you're a fucking B-rated steakhouse in Orlando. Get over yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other people find us. Yeah. Tell your friends about the podcast. We know they drink wine too. (laughs) For more information on any of the wines we discussed, go to nosnobwine.com or check the show notes for links. (laughs) 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 